Hey, Dan. What up, guy? You're into this fintech. What's all this I'm hearing about Current? You're going to like this guy. Current is a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. Wait a second. Does that mean I don't have to drive to the bank anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I manage an important part of my family's finances from one easy-to-use app. Well, I got to get this app, but where can I learn more? It's super easy. Just go to Current.com slash OK, O-K-A-Y, and download the app. That's Current.com slash OK. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to OK Computer. I'm Dan Nathan, joined by a very special guest, my co-host of the On The Tape podcast, of the Market Call podcast, of CNBC's Fast Money, the one and only Guy Christopher Adam. Yeah, I was just wandering around, and I it's saw really like- weird, and we got this sign behind us here, CME Group. You and I are down at the CME Cup in Naples, Florida here. CME Group is a fine- Tiburon. Tiburon, yeah. They're a fine sponsor of our On The Tape podcast and our Market Call. We just thought they'd give them the little signage over sure. here. We're going to run through, normally we talk a little public markets, we talk private markets, it's very focused on tech. I have Debo usually join me, I have uh, Rick Heitzman join me, a whole host of other folks join me, but this is going to be me and you taking a whiz around my main fact set screen in the public markets as it relates to tech. I know you're- I know When you say taking a whiz around right, my right, age, all right, I have to, might have okay, to get up and go. All right. you, know you know who I like on the OK computer when he comes on? That guy that played basketball at uh, one of those schools. Jeff Richards. He had had mad hops back in the Jeff day. Richards did have mad. He's coming on the pod very soon, actually. All right, let's do this here, guy, because it is Tuesday afternoon, November 14th. The S&P is up nearly 2%. The NASDAQ is up a little more than 2%. The NASDAQ on the year, guy, is up 34%. The NASDAQ 100 is up 44%. The S&P 500 is up 17%. What happened this morning, CPI, a measure of inflation, which has been coming down dramatically over the last year or so, it topped out, I think, last year at 9% or so. The Fed started raising interest rates in uh, early 2022 to battle said inflation, mm -hmm, that right? That they begged for. That they begged for. One of the first knock-on effects in risk markets was that high valuation tech, SPACs, cryptos, NFTs, anything speculative started getting killed because it really meant the end of the free money era, the end of FOMOing, you know, all this crap was over, okay? So here we are now on the other side of this with CPI coming in less than expected. Yields are down now. The 10-year yield is at 4.45%, down from 5% just a few weeks ago, and investors are moving back into the riskiest sort of stuff. It doesn't matter if you're unprofitable. It doesn't matter if whatever the hell, right? So talk to me a little bit about that psychology because the NASDAQ, again, topped out late 2021, was down a lot more than the S&P at its lows in October of 2022 last year, and now it's up dramatically outperforming the S&P 500. A lot to dissect there. So there were dozens, when I say dozens, probably a few hundred stocks in the laundry list of companies that were down anywhere from 50 to 85%, which is remarkable if you think about it from that period of time, that sort of November, December, 2021, until sort of the, the troughs that we saw for so many of these. And if you're looking for proof positive, and this is not to cast aspersions, but the ARK ETF as well just got lambasted on the back of everything you which just talked about. Which top holdings were Tesla, All the Square, names you know. All that sort of stuff. Which I think at one point, the top 10 holdings, when Tesla then joined the party to the downside, their stocks were down anywhere from 65 to 80%, which is very difficult to do, but it just speaks to 
the importance of interest rates and free money. Okay, now to answer your question, obviously we've seen 10-year yields move 55 basis points over the course of probably 11 or so trading sessions, which is not historic, but doesn't typically happen when the sort of the numerator and the denominator at levels four and a half, five percent number one. If for one thing, if it's 20%, they move 50 basis points entirely different when it's 5%. The market is having this Pavlovian response to exactly that. And I'd like to say it's investors, but I don't even know what that means anymore. So much is driven by machines and just interpretation of different inputs. That's what we're seeing today. And that's what we might see. Listen, we could see it quite frankly to the end of the year in the absence of anything happening, you could see this yeah. sort of levitation with so, the market. So le but again, it doesn't mean that all the problems that have been haunting us now for the last couple of years have been solved by any stretch. Yeah, so let's take a step back. Over the last month or so, we got Q3 earnings and Q4 guidance from obviously the major tech names. Apple was a little disappointing after no, the call. No, it was very disappointing. It was disappointing. Okay, the stock sold off after that. Microsoft sold off a little bit. Google had sold off 9%, 9%, okay, like after its earnings and results. Meta was okay. Amazon had a big beat. Tesla sold off a lot after its earnings. Netflix jumped um, a lot too, and that's been off to the races. So there was a lot of dispersion, I think, within the mega cap tech stocks. But when you think about that, there were no disasters. I think that was the main point, no, Guy. And not, so there were no disasters in terms of cutting guidance or pre-announcements. None of that happened. You didn't hear about any double ordering or inventory gluts. Yep. But again, you did not. Doesn't mean no, that's not on the horizon for sure. And Again, it speaks to just the power of passive investing and when money gets put to work and how powerful it can be. And we want to talk about NVIDIA because that's the reporting, I believe, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so let, let's talk about NVIDIA. And so when you think about this stock had gotten below $400, Guy, as then we're I, talking now right now. stop for a second. Yeah. So it was in August, I believe, right, when they reported their last quarter. I think the stock, the day of earnings that they report after the bell was closed around 485-ish or so. In the after hours, I saw the stock tick 516, $516. It did not trade that high the next day, so you will not see that print. But I am telling you that some mechanism bought and sold stock at that price. All right, so that day, okay, of the earnings, the stock closed. I, I think the, the all-time high is 502.66. Mm -hmm. So today we're trading at 495, 496 or so, and the high this morning was near 498. So we're basically there. And just to, to, to put a, a fine point on this, you know, on I think on the last day of October or the first day of this month, the stock got as low as I want to say below three, 400, 395. Okay. It has gone up 25% in a straight line. Okay. Over the last kind of 15 trading days or so. And just do the math. Okay. On a market cap stock right now is at 1.2 trillion dollars. 300 billion yeah, dollar. It, it's truly astounding. Okay. So when you think about this, which again, I'm interrupting, I apologize, but how many $300 billion companies are out there There's in the first place? Than, I think 50. I think they're less than 50. Yeah. And you just added that over the course of 10 trading sessions. And the volatility in NVIDIA, for example, that we've seen since that earnings release, 
again, you said it, 502, traded down, I think, 410, back to 470, yeah. below 400, and then here we are now over the course of three months. Yeah, and so let, let's just think about earnings next week, okay? So we know that the implied move in the options market is about 8% in either direction. The stock has just rallied 25%. So when you think about expectations for earnings and sales, they're really high, right? And so we know that a lot of competition is coming out. They just released an update to their H100 chip. That's their high-end graphics chip that trains these large language models and generative AI models. But if you think about what this company is expected next year to grow earnings 60% and grow sales about 50% or so, and that's what people are basically saying, I'm willing to pay 45 times this year, right? And 22 times sales, and that's about 30 times next year's earnings 15 times sales because they think it's gross at a reasonable price. I, listen, this is like deep end of the pool sort of stuff. I, I know agree. that's an expression you like to use. I think after a rally that it's just had here, guy, it's not something that I, I think for it to break out above 500 and go meaningfully higher. Okay. So just think about the implied move would be about $45 in either direction, right? If you think the stock could be at 540 next week, buying at the money call could make some sense um, defining your risk. It just seems like the, the barrier, like the expectations are super high after that move. But let's talk a little bit about some of the other semis. You and I were talking about earlier in the week. The way the semiconductor index closed on Friday, Guy, up 4%. The Very powerful. Now, NVIDIA, okay. But it wasn't just NVIDIA, okay? It was Intel trading near mm -hmm. a 52-week high. It was AMD up more than 25% off of its lows a month ago, okay? It was Taiwan Semiconductor and Global Foundries, which have had big moves after their earnings, talking about stabilization in some of their end markets. Micron made a new 52-week high in the memory space. So semis, okay? Okay, so cyclical tech, okay, and basically trading really well and shrugging off maybe some news that you could perceive as bad, but maybe when some of the ones, the equipment guys, the ones who are giving indications about CapEx, and then the foundries, the ones who make the chips, mm -hmm. okay, saying that they're seeing some stabilization, that's bullish, right, for tech sure. in general? It's interesting you say cyclical. There's nothing cyclical. The cyclicality seemingly, in terms of the way the stocks trade at least, yeah has been taken out of I it. mean, economically, no, if you think about right. it. You're right, but but the stocks trade entirely differently. Now, I'm glad you mentioned AMD, which reported earnings a few weeks ago. Yep. We had a conversation on, in real time on Fast Money, and the conversation we had was a lot of people seemingly are zigging when they should be zagging. Yep. And that stock, the knee-jerk reaction post-earnings was to take it lower. I think somewhere down around 93 and a half, 94. And we said the time to sell AMD was a couple months ago yeah. when it was north of 120. This is now the time to buy this stock. And that proved to be somewhat prescient. And I'm not doing this to play Monday morning quarterback or pat ourselves on the back. Now, as we approach back to 120, you're getting, a you're getting over your skis again. It's, quick it's amazing how quickly the stock goes from being reasonable on valuation to being expensive that quickly and I th you're seeing it in real time so these names have been somewhat conf i understand them to a certain point nvidia is a transformational company but they are being handsomely rewarded yeah. for it in terms of the valuation that they're garnering from the market yeah and i just say with it with amd if you look at the out year so if you look at next year and the expectations for 17 percent sales growth after a four percent decline this year and then with an earnings expected growth of 43 percent after 24 mm -hmm. percent decline this year trading at 31 times earnings that's in line with what nvidia is trading at so here's the thing if AMD all of a sudden with this chip that they are just announced and they're going to start shipping that's going to compete with 
this H100 NVIDIA chip, this high-end graphics chip, let's just say that does really well. Let's just say they can compete on price, compete on quality of the trip, and really get a lot of orders. And that was one of the things in May when NVIDIA reported and guided by that stock rally. Like, that's the bet that you're making yeah. here in, in, in AMD. You know, it's interesting you said compete on price. You think about where everybody is moving mm -hmm. their business. Everybody in this vertical wants to be in a very specific place because that's where the margins are. Amazon used to say the old story was your margins are our opportunity. Yep. And that's true. Same thing's going to happen here. It's not going to happen next week. Yep. But at a certain point, the margins that they're enjoying now are going to be, they're going to start to get cut without question. And when you start to see margin compression, you talk about it all the time, Bob Farrell's rules of investing. Yeah. When margins start to deteriorate, it's not typical. And again, we might be a few quarters away from that, but that's coming to a theater near you. Yeah. All right. Let's go over the software space. And just in general, just to, okay, to, to put a bow on semis, to me, the price action is bullish. The reaction oh, yeah, to, to news perceived to be bad was bullish. And then some of the commentary out of some of the, the important players in the space who dictate cap CapEx and then the foundries was also relatively bullish. Okay, so I just want to be really clear on that. And I've been speaking to that over the last couple of weeks. I have not been positioned the op opposing way mm -hmm. of that, but I'm cognizant of that. All right, the other thing that spooked me last week, because again, I was bearish of the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100, the ETF that tracks it, and we know that the top seven or eight names make up 40% of the weight. Microsoft closing Friday, a new all-time high, was important, right? When you go back and you think about July, and we've talked about it a lot, okay, the stock sold off 15% into its September lows from the July highs. To rally the way it has over the last, call it, month and a half or so to make a new all-time high, it's basically giving the rest of the NASDAQ mm -hmm. the all-clear, okay, to say, come along for the ride. Adobe made new 52-week highs. Salesforce has got back on its horse. So a lot of these names that had been punished on valuation or whatever, they're getting back to it. Adobe's on a runaway breakout. It traded almost as low as 500 in late October, and here we are just above $600, okay? So there's a lot of things going on with real market caps, mm -hmm. guy, that, that I think is really important. To These are huge companies that are, tra and the percentage moves we've seen, forget about just over the course of a couple of weeks, over the course of a couple of hours, are staggering. Yeah, yeah. And it speaks to the market's desire or maybe the fact that the market got itself completely off sides in this late year chase for whatever perceived beta you're going to see in terms of the broader market. I think it's somewhat misdirected but again it's hard to yeah. argue you can't get in front of this freight train right now yeah and, and i guess the only point i would make is that like semis are very crowded and and they appear to be very overbought um you know some of those mega cap names like microsoft amazon's at 52 week highs and the like here you know you might see folks who are chasing right they're trying to get some beta into year end you might go for some of the laggards and that's why i wanted to bring up software in a way because maybe it's a snowflake and i'm not telling you that i'm mm -hmm. a buyer of snowflake and i'm certainly not on valuation the jury's still out on they're losing money and the like and everything like that but i'm just saying be cognizant because when when you have an adobe rally 25 percent in a straight line like you have to think of some other opportunities to get those back up to 52 week highs if it's going to be um, a bit of a chase into year end let's hit the like digital ad space let's hit google and i'm going to throw meta in there here this was one of the ones guy this gap in alphabet the stock was trading very near a 52 week high in and around its print it had that gap lower as we mentioned down nine percent 
again. It went lower for another couple days. It got basically to 120. It was at 140 pre-earnings. And now here we are at 135 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's basically filled in the entire gap here. Now, what we heard out of Google when they reported, and we were listening to that call on Fast Money that afternoon, this was, I think, about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, it didn't sound that bad. You know what I mean? But investors no. hit the sell button first and ask questions later. It, it, the reaction to the downside and then if you think about then what the trade desk said, symbol there yes. is TTD, in a couple of weeks later, earlier this week, and that stock, which had been getting sold off in a major way, yeah. then sold off another 20-something percent on the back of it. It went now, from seen, 80 to 60. So right. it was trading at 80 the day of the earnings. It closed below 80 and then traded the next day at its lows 60 bucks. And this is a stock that was north, I think, of 90. Yep at one point this summer. So you had started to see a sell-off and then you just had this sort of cascade. They're great stories. They're not great stories. I'm struggling and in terms of understanding the back, the stories, but then trying to understand the valuation that the market is assigning to a lot of these names, an environment where I don't think it's justified. That to me is really, that's the push-pull here. Hey listeners, it's Dan here. I want to tell you about a company that I'm really excited about. It's called Current. It's a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. I'm a new Current customer. It's already helping me and my entire family manage our finances, all from one easy-to-use app. So try Current for yourself and get the app by going to current.com slash okay. That's current.com slash okay. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank member FDIC. Fintech stocks can't get out of their own way. Yeah. So if I look at like a PayPal and that stock is down more than 25% of the year, Square, which is at a huge rally of late, is still down more than 12, 13%. Bill.com, that was a big disaster last week. SoFi's had a good year. So if I just think of some of these software like related fintech sort of mm -hmm. names, it, it's interesting that PayPal is a company that makes money. You know what I mean? It is profitable and it's go actually put in that camp of down 80% from its all-time highs in 2021. So I guess there's still investors being a little picky about some of these areas, which I find interesting. Okay. So just to put this all together, Guy Adami. So here we are. It's mid-November. Next week is going to be a holiday shortened week. Mm -hmm. We know that People get all geeked up about Black Friday as it relates to consumer and Cyber Monday. And then supposedly you have a really good period of consumer spending and they're doing a lot of it digitally these days. And that's why it's wrapped up as far as digital ads and e-commerce and the like here. If we get through these next couple weeks, there's no really negative readings on the consumer. That being said, University of Michigan was really bad last yeah. week. Okay. We get through that. What would be the reason why these things shouldn't rip into year end, like like tech in general, being the leadership sector that they we know that they have been over the last, call it, 10, 11 months? Yeah, we've learned, what I've learned sometimes the hard way is in the, in the absence of everything you just said, in the absence of bad news, there's this levitation that takes place in these names. And it's not even a function of necessarily people doing the critical work necessary around it, trying to understand valuations, different metrics that we talk about, potential growth, the obviously the wild card of double, triple ordering, mm -hmm. which would create this inventory glut. Forget about all that. It's just, and I'll use this term, this greater fool's theory that takes place is I'm going to buy something at X knowing or hoping that the guy or gal next to me will buy it for X plus one 
10 or 15 minutes later. And a lot of that is going on right now. Yeah, last thing. Okay, last night on CNBC's Fast Money, we were talking about EVs in general and Rivian and Lucid, there was some news and we were talking about Tesla a little bit. And one of the things that was interesting, and I made this point, and Danny Moses, our, our On The Tape podcast co-host, called me after the show to, to make a point. He's like, you didn't nail the plane or you didn't land the plane right. on, on this Tesla point because you guys all went around the horn with Tesla and Mel came to me. And I said, one of the things that's really interesting to me about Tesla, it was a... 80% on the year, okay? And I said, if you look at how the stock performed on the day after it reported its last three quarters, on average, it has sold off 9.5%, okay? So three quarters, the next day, stock's down 9.5%. And each quarter, the news has not been good, right. okay? So on the day that they give you the most news, they trot out their CEO to take questions from analysts or whatever, the stock trades horribly, but again, still up 80% on the year. And so... For me, sometimes maybe it makes sense, greater fools. Because well, but do you understand what I'm saying in a way? Of course I do. What you're saying is on days where they actually tell you what the fundamentals yes. are, the market says your fundamentals suck and we're going to sell and your 10% stock. 10% in one day, in one stock of this size, it's a $700 billion market right. cap company. And then the rest of the time... It's just FOMO. That's right. It's YOLO. And you that, only live you once, You can say guy. that in, with Tesla, but you can say that about a, a lot of things. Stocks. But no, but that's what's going on when... The period of time, that window where fundamentals matter, what we've seen is there's a obviously a knee-jerk reaction lower because fundamentals are taking the rest of the time. People are saying, you know what? Fundamentals don't matter. It's a chase, and that's what we're seeing. Google's a great example of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And again, I think you and I both, the way you thought an AMD the day after or the, during their mm -hmm. call when the stock was down, you thought it was a buy. I thought Google was a buy, but it's really hard to put your finger in the air and do that when people are wholesale selling it for not great reasons. Okay, listen, Guy Adami, I just wanted to take a little run around my- Here in my, Tiburon. Yeah, here in Tiburon, but I wanted to take a run around the tech stock universe and, and the I love the markets album, here okay, a little computer. bit. Do you? The 1997 album from no, Radiohead. Uh, uh, What's your what? favorite song on there? OK, Computer. No. I, you know what? You're probably like a karma police guy. Would that make some sense, I Jacob? I love Boy here? George. Can I tell you something? Oh, no. That song, that's was that was that's not karma. No, no, it's not. All right, police. we're going to have to put that in oh, the show notes. That, that, that is the proper By the way, Boy okay George computer. is making a comeback. I, I, I saw that recently. Really? Genius songwriter, singer. I thought. By the way, the harmonica in Karma Chameleon rivals that of any harmonica in rock history. You can cut that out if you want. We will do. All right, Guy Dami, thanks for joining me on OK Computer, a very special edition of OK Computer. We'll see you next week. Thanks. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. We also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com.